Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Martin Roy Hill. Now, uh, you're going to find out some interesting facts about Martin, including his uh, military background, his journalist background, and the varied types of books that he writes. Uh, Some have an historical bent, uh, others are thrillers, uh, and and have some basis in his military and law enforcement experience. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, But first, I'd like to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that appeals to you, you can check out their website at downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, .com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. So I'm coming at you from Central Oregon, as usual. Uh, on a very dreary day. It snowed a few days ago and and most of it melted, but there's still some patches on the ground and it is gray as, I don't even know, gray as the side of a battleship, I guess. Uh, That's why we edit, folks. We uh, go back and we fix stupid analogies, metaphors, and similes and punch them up. But uh, I don't have time for that because uh, Martin is waiting and uh, we're going to talk to him. So let's just jump straight into that interview with Martin Roy Hill. Well, hey, Martin, welcome to the show. Hey, Frank, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we talked a little bit before going on air, and and I uh, mentioned to you that there's just a ton of things I want to touch on in your background, and especially in the works that you've done, uh, because they are there are some themes, but the, it's a there's some eclectic nature to it as well in some ways. Um, so maybe the first thing we could do is I just want to briefly touch on your non-writing career because I think some people are going to have their interest peaked. Um, and I made a few notes, but you'll have to correct me here. I, I noticed that you had a Coast Guard career and that uh, you also served in the Naval Reserve in a counterinsurgency unit. Now, maybe you could tell people out there who hear counterinsurgency and they think military thing, and that's about as far as they understand, what exactly is counterinsurgency? Well, in in, in the case of the Navy Reserve Unit I was in, it's called a, a Mobile Inshore Undersea Warfare Unit, and it was a counterinsurgency in warfare uh, type unit. They utilized various electronic components to identify threats to shipping in in in, in harbors. They were developed during Vietnam um, when Viet Cong insurgents would swim into the various harbors and attach limpet mines to uh, our cargo ships and blow them up. So we were designed to counter that threat, but we could also could also operate in a counterterrorism. Uh, variety. In fact, after uh, 9-11, I was in the Coast Guard at that point, but my old Navy unit was mobilized for counterterrorism duty. Now, you also served uh, uh, for a period of time as an MP. Correct. Um, I actually served in the Coast Guard, active and reserve, two stints, broken duty with the Navy Reserve in between. And then um, in the Coast Guard, I did search and rescue and maritime law enforcement and homeland security. After um, I did a stint of active duty in the Coast Guard, I got out. My father had died, and so I had to go help take care of my mother. And a couple of years after that, 
I got recruited by the National Guard, a component in the National Guard, as a medical service corps officer because I was working, I was a medic in the Coast Guard and I was a medic with the sheriff's search and rescue team and a federal medical assistance team. And they needed someone to come in and help train combat medics. So I was given a commission and I trained combat medics until around 2012 when the wars started to wind down and my billet dried up and they, um, I converted to military police because of my background with the Coast Guard doing maritime law enforcement. And I was also a medic with the um, local sheriff's search and rescue team. And I did that for... I think the last three or four years of my time, 11 years in the National Guard and retired as a major and executive officer of an MP unit. Well, so shifting just slightly from the more uh, military and law enforcement uh, elements of your career, it also said that you uh, have a BA in journalism and that you were a a journalist for a, a period of time. In fact, that you won two William Allen White Awards. What are the William Allen White Awards? There are awards for magazine reporting, and I won two William Allen Whites for investigative reporting. I was a journalist for 20-some years, uh, first as a police reporter, then as a um, uh, magazine investigative journalist, and I finally ended my career as editor of a newspaper. After 9-11, I I did a stint of active duty with the Coast Guard and decided I was tired of journalism and decided to start a new career. And based on my background in, in wilderness medicine and in, in my EMT service in the Coast Guard, I got hired by the Navy as an analyst in combat casualty care. And I did that for um, 16 years, starting in November of 2002. And of course, we invaded in Iraq in March of 2003. From that point on, for 10 years, I couldn't write, I didn't have time to do any writing a fiction. I just wrote research reports. I didn't start going back to fiction until 2012. Well, you know, I'm sitting here listening to all this and I'm, I'm wondering if you're like 172 years old or something at this point, because it sounds like you've had a couple of very long careers uh, and packed a lot in, in a very short period of time. Well, most of it was reserve stuff. You know, I was in the Coast Guard Reserve, Navy Reserve, National Guard, the Sheriff's Reserve uh, Federal Disaster Team, which is a, a, a reserve unit under the public health system. So it was a lot of little things I did on the side while I was doing my journalism career and my Navy career as a civilian analyst. That's how that's what paid for the rent. Well, it's still impressive, uh, even if it was a, technically a side gig or a, or a secondary gig uh, going on there. One last thing, I guess, before we drive into your own your own writing, is that uh, I noticed on your on your blog you also review some books, and mm-hmm. uh, you we have some shared taste there for sure. I mean, you did a review of Lawrence Block's uh, Walk Among the Tombstones, a Matthew Scudder book that I really enjoy. That whole series, great book. Uh, Scudder's probably one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite favorite private detectives uh, out there. Although he does compete a little bit with John D. McDonald's uh, Travis McGee for sure, and you've got at oh, least yeah. one of those on there. So, <laughs> I, oh, yeah, say- I love McDonald. Um, I love the Travis McGee series because he's 
not your ordinary PI. Mm-hmm. He's not really a PI. He calls himself a salvage expert. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my, my good friend, uh, Colin Conway, one of my uh, co-authors actually, he, uh, He's a huge fan of McGee too, and and we talk about it fairly often, probably often enough to bore anyone that is around us. But uh, the the fact that McGee, like he, it's dated a bit at times, but that's one of those series, much like I think Block does with Scudder, that goes into the social dynamics of what's happening at the time and, and really mm-hmm. kind of questions it and examines it. And, and I think crime fiction is great for that, uh, that, uh, between crime fiction and science fiction, I think you really get to explore that sort of thing. Well, John T. McDonald had an interesting background himself. He, prior to world war two, he was a, an ex, um, very successful, um, uh, executive. I think he was in advertising. And when the war broke out for the United States, he left that. He didn't have to go serve. He probably was too old, but he enlisted and became an officer in the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, and served in Burma. And when he came back, he decided not to go back to that you know, high-paying job. He wanted to be a writer and write about the things that concerned him. Yeah, And he does. But I mean, even if that doesn't interest you. If you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I don't read mystery for social commentary. They're great mysteries and, and, and extraordinarily well-written. So it stands on either, either uh, point, I think. Um, which brings us to your work. You, I have a very interesting catalog because so, so you've got the Peter Brandt thrillers and Peter Brandt, if I'm understanding correctly, is a war correspondent. And so there's that series, and I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, but you also have a sci-fi novella up there, and several uh, alternate history kind of takes. And then your most recent book is is the the Fourth Rising, which I I think you could classify loosely as alternate history. Uh, and then there's the Linus Shag, or is it Shag? Shag. Shag, the Linus Shag. Uh, I bet that plays well in the UK. Uh, Linus Shag. Uh, <laughs> NCIS, NCIS thrillers, which I don't think anybody would wonder where the where that came from if, if they've been listening to your background so far. So I've been talking for a bit. Uh, I guess my first question for you is on the Peter Brandt thrillers. Uh, when I saw that and when I started looking into that, I, I felt like there was like shades of Salvador almost uh, coming through in there. You know, that that more uh, action oriented story about a journalist. Uh, uh, what, what what can you tell us about Peter Brandt? What was the, uh, where did he come from? What happens in these books? What was your focus? Well, you know, everybody asks an author, is there a character that is mostly, that mostly comes from you? And Peter Brandt is that character. Like me, he started out as a crime reporter in Palm Springs, where I actually was a crime reporter. And his background is that he had a marriage that fell apart. He blamed himself for that. And he eventually made his way down to Central America in the um, during the 80s and covered the little wars down there, you know, Nicaragua and, and uh, El Salvador and such. And in the first book, he returns to the United States to bury his ex-wife and finds out that she was murdered and nobody's investigating the murder. So he and his best friend, who is a retired cop set out to find her murderers in the second series he has in the second book he has come back from covering the war the first 
Iraq war and he is he's done done with war he's he's got PTSD he doesn't want to deal with war anymore and he gets hired to investigate a um, lawsuit filed in federal court against the U.S. government and a corporation by the widow of a of a engineer who was killed in Iraq. And the government says the lawsuit doesn't exist, the man doesn't exist, and 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 so on. And so he he digs deep into that and finds a conspiracy to cover up a terrible fratricide incident in Iraq. And the third. The Fourth Rising, you, you said it's alternate history, but it's not. It's actually based on, on history. It's about a decades-long attempt to resurrect the uh, Nazi party into a Fourth Reich. And it's based on research done by people who believe that um, while Germany surrendered in 1945, the Nazi party did not. They continued on, spread themselves throughout the world with uh, their continuing attempt to dominate the world through means other than war, mostly financial. And this is based on actual intelligence that was delivered um, at the end of the war. There was a meeting one month after the Normandy invasions in um, Strasbourg at a place called the Red House. And it was uh, there was an allied spy in this hotel. Um, it was a meeting between senior SS officials and German industrialists and financiers. And they said that not the SS officer said, we're losing the war. We're going to spread out our people throughout the world and infiltrate other economies in order to continue our 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 party. And so I took that and created this plot where Peter Brandt um, gets called in to help an, an old love affair, an old lover whose husband was brutally murdered. And tracing his murders leads to this conspiracy to resurrect the Third Reich. And this uh, this book, The Fourth Rising, actually it won award, an award in 2020. Yes, it was named the Best Mystery of 2020 by the Best Independent Books Award Association. Um, it's not the only um, Nazi-related work you have, though. Um, you have you have a work that, and, and that is Hitler's Coming. Right. C- can you touch on that real quickly? What is that about? In Hitler's um, Coming, it takes place in a, a history where Germans developed the atomic bomb first and destroyed Moscow, London, and New York City, and the Allies surrendered. And now the Germans are occupying the east coast of the United States. Paul Clay is a former police policeman before the war, became an OSS agent during the war until he was wound, seriously wounded. And then after the war, he gets recruited into what used to be the FBI, but is now the um, called the National Police. And he is seconded to the local commander of the Nazi SS, um, who wants to use his talent as both a police officer, a police detective, and a um, spy to ferret out any anti-Nazi insurgents in the United States. And the first first short story dealt with an assassination attempt on Hitler when when he came to the United States for the first time. Since the and hence the the novel or the name. Hitler is coming. The second book was called The 34th Man and was based on a true spy incident that happened prior to our entry in 
World War II, in which 33 um, German spies were rounded up and, and convicted of espionage. The 34th man was a guy who was had infiltrated that that real life spy ring, and now in the in the short story, Paul Clay is is ordered to find this man and identify him and turn him over to the Nazis. But he doesn't want to do that, and so there's a kind of a trick ending there. And then I'm working on a third uh, short story that uh, hasn't been published yet. Oh, I. Uh got my undergraduate degree in history um, and and I'm fascinated by history and, and it's a passion of mine. And so alternate history, I don't, I don't know any historians who don't find alternate history also fascinating. I think it'd be odd if you didn't, because there's so many what ifs in history. And certainly when there are pivot points like the second world war, uh, the what ifs seem to have a pretty big butterfly effect that, that you could uh, play with. Exactly. I don't want to let you go, though, without uh, touching on uh, Linus Shag, who is an, NCI, uh, an NCIS officer, right? What is uh, – w- tell me about Linus. Contrary to what a lot of people think, uh, I was not inspired to write this series because of the TV show. I actually published the first Linus Shag short story in Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine back in the mid-'90s, long before the um, TV show started. And what I wanted to do is combine a couple of my favorite interests, which was mysteries and maritime. Um, Being an ex-coastie, I commanded rescue boats in the Coast Guard. I really enjoy a good sea story when I can um, read one. And so I created a lock room mystery aboard a nuclear submarine. And uh, that is also the first joint crewed submarine in the U.S. Navy. And Shag is sent in to investigate a reported suicide aboard the submarine and get stuck in a uh, covert environment where they cannot return to base to conduct the investigation. And he finds out that there's a serial killer on board the submarine. So there are two aspects to the story. Shag's attempt to find the killer and the submarine fighting a rogue Iranian submarine equipped with nuclear missiles. Wow. That's really up in the odds there, up in the stakes there quite a bit. Um, And there are two uh, line of shag books now, right? Right. The second was the butcher's bill, which um, involves a former NCIS agent and close friend of line of shags who goes rogue and appears to be killing certain people. And shag gets brought in to help the local police on their investigation because NCIS does not have jurisdiction in this case because the man is no longer a member of the Navy family. But Shag soon discovers there's more to the killings than what appears um, to the police and that his friend, William Butcher, is actually defending his life from a group of people who he discovered had stolen... um, $9 billion in American currency from Iraq during the war. It's based on a true incident in which um, $9 billion, that's billion with a B, simply disappeared from Iraq in cold cash. And it was never fully investigated. Nobody knows what happened to it. And um, so I use that as the basis of the, um, the book. Well, as if it weren't enough, uh, you've also dabbled in sci-fi. Um, and you have a novella on your website called Eden. 
and another, uh, I wouldn't call it sci-fi, but uh, Polar Melt, which is is uh, pretty mysterious as well. Um, you're bouncing around a little bit from uh, these different, you know, from these different series. Um, is it just what uh, what story speaking to you at the time, or uh, you know, is there a master plan? Um, first of all, I'm I'm hesitant to actually commit myself to one series. Frequently, somebody who writes a series and is entrapped in the series becomes entrapped in that series. And the quality of the writing and the um, um, stories often suffer because of that. Uh, I have a friend who has written a series for 30 years, and he admits he plagiarizes himself on his books. He copies passages out of his previous books just to get through the day um, in in his writing. So I like to just come up with a story. If it fits into one of my previous storylines, I'll I'll write the book in that uh, in that series. But if it doesn't, then I will just create either a standalone like like Eden or Polar Melt, which I'm actually in, on the second draft of a sequel to. Well, it, it's uh, it's an eclectic uh, catalog here. Although I think action and and thriller is definitely seems to to be a, a, a and subterfuge at times it seems to be some through threads. So if people like that kind of uh, of, of story, which uh, many do, uh, including me, then uh, there's lots to find uh, in your work. The newest book is the Fourth Rising. Uh, it's a new Peter Brandt thriller. Uh, the author is Martin Roy Hill. And uh, Martin, I want to say thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, Frank, for having me. I've enjoyed it a great deal. All right, folks, there you are. Martin Roy Hill, a very different sort of career, uh, uh, that citizen soldier career, something that I always admired. I, I, I was an active duty military and then uh, active duty, obviously, in my police career. Uh, but I never served in a reserve capacity. And I always thought that took a uh, particular level of dedication because, you, you know, it, it's a huge commitment and you're doing it uh, in addition to your uh, primary career. And I, I just, I didn't do that. I mean, my, my police career was very, very consuming. And then, of course, I had family, I had hockey and uh, definitely had the writing uh, as as things going on outside of that career, wherever there was room. Uh, so I didn't do anything like that, but I certainly admire people who do. So if you have served uh, in a reserve capacity, whether that's military or somewhere in the community as a volunteer, uh, hey, I salute you uh, big time. All right, uh, n- next episode on a Wrong Place, Right Crime, we're going to talk to uh, Jonathan Brown. Uh, Jonathan is a fellow grifter. Uh, he wrote Travel Money, the uh, 15th episode of A Grifter's Song, which drops March 1st. And we're going to talk to him about that and about his new novel as well. That's next episode on a Wrong Place, Right Crime. Quick Zafiro update. No new books coming out for Frank Zafiro, but if you have a youngster who likes hockey, uh, my alter ego, Frank Scalise, is publishing the second Sam the Hockey Player novel. It's a middle grade novel targeting 9 to 12 year old boys and girls. Uh, Sam is a, a hockey player, believe it or not, based on the title. That shouldn't be a surprise. And in Bad Calls, uh, the second book at the Pee Wee level, he has to deal with, well, bad calls, both on the ice and in life, uh, some bullying and uh, some other struggles uh, left over from the first book that uh, Sam has to deal with. So that goes on sale March 1st. 
Bad Calls, a Sam the Hockey Player novel by Frank Scalise. I'd like to say thanks to Martin for coming on the show, Down Out Books for sponsoring it, and of course, as always, you, the listener, for tuning in. I hope you check out Martin's stuff if it appeals to you, and I hope you come uh, back next week for uh, Jonathan Brown. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.